Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe. Bringing you another show on the heels of uh, a very successful series up in Tampa. Did not go up there, but uh, was following it pretty closely. And uh, a lot of the players that normally make the drive down here from up there. Uh, <laughs> stayed home. <laughs> yeah. Stayed up there and had a good time. Uh, the main event just finished up the uh, last couple of days. And the winner was Isaac Kempton, uh, who just... 22 years old, was playing in just his second live tournament ever. Oh, congratulations, Isaac. Won the main event. Uh, the turnout had uh, 290,000 going to the champion and had over 2,500 entries. Pretty good. Yes. 290 at 22. That's nice. And uh, there were, let's see, there was a total of 14 events. And uh, as far as the names standing out, uh, Kevin Ho, Arcadi Sinis, who's from here in Miami. And I, we had mentioned last week Byron Johnson won that first event. Uh, now, did Isaac win this title outright, or was there a deal struck? Uh, no word about that. Okay. Let's see. I believe they played it out because the W SOP circuit does not like Oh, that's right. Okay, that's chops. right, especially in the main... Uh, David, David Tuthill, who uh, is a player that is, we've known since the beginning of the show, talked to him many times. He's a former Florida Stater and uh, lives in the Tampa area. He would always travel down for the tournaments. We had him on a couple times. He was the player of the series. He had uh, four caches plus the win in event number three, which was a $400 turbo. Uh, seniors tournament was won by Seth Bobit. And uh, the final event was the 250 double stack won by Harmeet Singh. So uh, let's, we'll take a little look at that. And, uh, you know, some of the numbers uh, proved to be pretty solid as, uh, you know, the opening event really got things kicked off very nicely at 2,433 entries, including over 1,000 on the final day. Wow. So that was... Uh, the biggest and biggest prize pool in the, in the history of Tampa poker, 1.252 million, and it stood up with a week. The prize pool went to 1.76 for the main event, so a uh, very nice turnout there as well. So um, entries, by the way, for the main, which was a $1,700 buy-in, were 1,162. So pretty solid, and. Uh, Isaac uh, says he stumbled across poker on YouTube. That's how he found the the game. And watched a few videos, and uh, he watched a few hands from High Stakes Poker that we talked about last week, which is returning to the airwaves, and played for fun, he said, for about two years, and then decided that, uh, I think I'm pretty good at it, so I'm going to give it a try. So he was a cash game player mostly, and played a few sit-and-goes uh, in the college dorms during his uh, college years. It doesn't say where he went to school at, but uh, uh, 
got into uh, tournament poker just very recently, and that was his second live tournament. Pretty pretty solid. Um, David Jackson finished second, and Paul Balzano, who plays in a lot of tournaments, he's from down here, uh, finished in third. Rob Manjura was fourth. James Calderaro was fifth. Calderaro uh, also plays in a lot of tournaments down here. I sat and talked to him one day uh, out at the pool at the Seminole Hard Rock, the bar there out by the pool. And a uh, nice guy. He used to go out with Lily Coletto, but uh, I don't believe anymore. And a uh, pretty solid tournament up there from start to finish. They had a huge event center that they played in. Uh, the new hotel, I have, n- I have seen it, but I have not uh, been in the poker room since they uh, opened that event center over there. So, um, and again, you know, you expect good things from uh, the Hard Rock, and, and they continue to they deliver. They always deliver, they exactly. Do. So, what's next, they asked him. He said, well, I'm taking this semester off. Well, I wonder if, does it say where he goes to school? Uh, just kind of kind of breezed through that. But uh, Yeah, $300,000 will make you take a semester off. So, he's playing full-time <laughs> poker until he goes back to school, if he ever goes back to school, which I guess is a big, big uh, question mark at this <laughs> point. Um, David Tuthill. Six caches during the series. I think I said five, but it was actually a win in uh, event three for 15000 And a sixth-place finish in one, another third, and uh, several other caches as well. Uh, the ring winners, uh mentioned a couple of them, but uh, Byron Johnson collected the biggest prize outside of the main event, $166,000 uh, in that opener. Uh, Ryan Yu won a tournament. David Prochak, who we just had on the show two weeks ago. Uh, I'm just so happy for Pablo. Uh, we know that we had Tony on the air a couple of weeks ago. He was heading up there also being the new marketing director for the Hard Rock. Uh, you know, with, with, with all of this with poker, I mean, it's just amazing uh, the success that they've had. And like you just said a little bit while ago, David, uh, you know, the, they always deliver. And uh, I have not had a chance. I'm hoping to be up in the Tampa area at the end of March. Um, as I hope to get up there to see a Yankee game <laughs> and take in uh, the new the Hard Rock up there. Also, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, they also had a high roller event for thirty-two fifty, and the winner of that one was Mark Zulo of uh, Seville, Ohio. He defeated Brock Wilson, Faraz Jaka. And Jake Schwartz at the final table. And Prochak also made that final table. So he's playing very well. One down here. And we had him on the show. So we'll put him in the category of uh, doing an interview on Poker Action. (laughs) And having a lot of success. Turning it into a big success. So uh, There was one other tournament that uh, went on last week. And that was up at uh, Maryland Live. And that was the 2020 uh, Potomac Winter Poker Open. And that one was won by uh, Matthew Sesso for 189000 Joe McKeon finished second. And, and Joe uh, was just down here not too long ago. Yeah, he was here uh, He was here for the other one. Galen Hall also made the final table. Wow. Very nice. So uh, another successful tournament there for Mr. Mike Smith over there? Yeah, I would say. <laughs> anyway... Um, Things are going well uh, around the poker world as far as people we know. So uh, uh, there's a couple stories that also came out. Uh, one is uh, regarding Mike Postel, 
the uh, cheating scandal okay. out there in L.A. That one is uh, seems to be moving along. Um, he tried to avoid getting served for the uh, by the lawyer for the uh, for the trial, and uh, the lawyer, who's a pretty well-known guy who does a lot of poker stuff, Mac Verstandig, uh, actually had to. Uh, you know, tr- run him down. He couldn't find. He couldn't, couldn't get a hold of him, and uh, went to the house several times, and he was not home. And they said finally, uh, he had to sit in his car for hours to get a hold of him finally, and and finally serve him with the papers. And uh, so they're they're going to get underway in approximately four weeks from now. So that is out there in Los Angeles. And, and who's the lawyer representing in this that he's being served? Uh, Mac Verstandig was the uh, prosecuting lawyer, because that's a ci- that's the civil case. Uh, he actually has another lawyer uh, on his side that's representing him in the criminal case. But uh, there's 88 clients. So they have filed criminal charges against. Yes, them. they have, and uh, 88 clients of Verstandig have a 33 million dollar lawsuit. Where are they going to get $33 million out of this guy? I don't no, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's almost a waste of time. It is. It is a waste of time. But uh, So that comes at the end of February. Uh, actually, the, the, uh will be more happening there. And uh, finally, we'll be in the courtroom and be charged. As in the criminal stuff, I guess, will come on later. So. Well, then they got So, who are the other people that are that have got charged with him there, or, or is he the only one facing? Uh, Don't know charges? about the civil suit. Uh, very possibly. But criminally, someone, somebody had yeah, to have assisted yeah. him. Yeah, someone possibly uh, the uh, the somebody, poker director there. Uh, somebody there had to assist him to to do what he did. Yeah. So you know this this can't be just one way unless unless they may worked out a deal with that person and then they're the ones testifying against them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other speaking of cheating, uh, story about Phil Ivey coming out now. Um, he's not involved in it, obviously, but they are actually going to make a film about his uh, story, the alleged uh, edge sorting ch- uh, scandal that he was involved in, not only in. Uh, Overseas at a couple of different uh, casinos, but here at the Borgata as well. Uh, Crockford's of London was the one involved over there, and uh, high stakes baccarat. And he had a list of demands when he went into it. So this is the kind of interesting side of the story: is uh, he need, he wanted a dealer that spoke Mandarin Chinese, and that one deck of cards would be used, and that neither the cards nor the dealer be changed while he was playing. So that should have set off some red flags for them, but they he ended up winning over twenty million dollars, which he didn't collect in London. No, you know, in England, didn't they freeze it real quick? I think on they him froze it right he could away. Take it out, and then he won nine point seven million uh, at the Borgata, and. Uh, there was a lawsuit uh, that would garnish some of his winnings when uh, the Poker Players Championship, when he got his pay, they, the World Series that had been involved in garnishing that uh, cash to get paid. So anyway, the story is that they're having a movie uh, about this. The working title right now is The Baccarat Machine, and they've uh, hired the, the woman, uh, the actress Aquafina, 
who was... Uh, oh, yes, I know. <laughs> she's in uh, Crazy Asians, Crazy... Uh, crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. And she's and also in a show called Aquafina now. Right, and she also uh, was in the recent movie that uh, garnered a lot of headlines, The Farewell, about a family, uh, Oriental family. But she's a big star now, and uh, she will play the poker dealer, uh, Kelly's son, who was uh, allegedly the assistant in Ivy's act, both in the uh, United Kingdom and in America. So that is uh, getting ready for production. And we'll see what happens right there. I, I mean, people talk about the Molly's game, and, uh, you know, that was pretty successful. But uh, people seem to like the film, those films. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that's like I said, it's... Uh, I don't know. I'd like to see what they come up with this year. I I seriously doubt we're going to see Phil Ivey playing in any tournaments here in the United States in, in the near future, especially with uh, no, the Borgata. No, not, not when every time he goes to the cashier's cage, he doesn't get his money. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Um, also, announcement came out this week. We had talked about uh, you know how many tournaments there was going to be at the World Series of Poker. Well, they announced the online bracelet events. At, and the number this year is 14. Last year there was nine. So I think the 79 that we talked about last week plus the online events, so they're up Brings over 90. Brings it over 90, which is what I was expecting because yeah. it was like around 82, 83 last year, no? Exactly. So, But there's uh, all different prices, uh, even generally right around 500, most of the buy-ins. There is a, a high roller online for 10,000, and uh, most of the smaller ones are four or 500 dollar buy-ins. And uh, a few of them are freeze-outs. Some have some small amount of free buys, but uh, that will all take place uh, out there this year during the events. In fact, uh, they're having one every Sunday through the month of June, and then once they get uh, closer to the main event, there's one every day during the main event, pretty much, or at least the opening events of the main event. So trying to cash in on people being in out there. Well, it's very smart. Like we said, they've done a great job uh, themselves making this thing just something awesome. I wonder if there's a number when it gets too big. Yeah. You know, where where people just kind of get disinterested after a little while, you know. Uh, I don't know if they're getting close to that number or not because every year it seems to be record, record numbers of players and everything else, so. I think it's starting to get to that saturation point. I, I do. Um the online events, uh, you know, now that they're able to, you know, combine with uh, New Jersey and some places like that, people don't have to be in Vegas to play in those things. Which is a very smart thing for them to have increased it from what they did to this number this year. And hopefully as Pennsylvania has or had to have, they've already come online with their poker. Pennsylvania's online. So hopefully they'll... A couple they'll, more coming. Yeah, so... That that would make a lot of sense for people to do that online and and everything else, but uh, Pennsylvania is you know. not involved in the in the commingling yet. Right, not yet. That's what I'm saying. But you've got other states that are st- are just about to approve it and stuff. So it's it, legal in it's been legalized now in uh, West Virginia, and we're waiting to find uh, what's happening as far as uh, them coming online for poker. Uh, there's a Serious uh, deep try in uh, Kentucky, and Michigan has been approved for it for online. There, it's still about a year away, probably from starting. But uh, you know, we're we're adding on to the number of states and uh, slowly moving up. Yeah. Well, listen, 
we're here in the state of Florida, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how long that's going to be for us to ever get that if we ever get it. Right. Uh, one of the problems is is uh, Apple is pretty much. Uh, you know, obviously they're they're talking about their earnings being way down because of the coronavirus, but but uh, they are. Uh, pretty much anti-gambling as far as a lot of their platforms on the phones and that sort of thing. So uh, they've proven themselves to be unfriendly to uh, any real money gambling, but uh, many of the operators are having trouble with their uh, iOS uh, verticals, so uh, they're having a hard time getting that stuff online. So that could slow things down a little bit. Well, listen, I'm sure those things can be worked out. As long as the the legal part, the aspect of it gets through the states... The the rest you eventually find a way to make it work. Right, exactly. Uh, okay, let's take our first break on the show. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of things here tonight. Uh, possibly uh, an article that I had about uh, playing pocket aces. And the thoughts on that. Uh, pretty interesting article that I read. And uh, we'll come up with a couple other things. Uh, tournaments, uh, we'll give you the schedule on things that are upcoming. Of course, at the Seminole Hard Rock, we have the Accelerator Series, or the, I'm sorry, the Escalator Series that is coming, and a few other things uh, around the state. So uh, we'll keep you updated on what's happening. Let's take a break, though, on the show, and we'll be back with more. Of course, you can always go to our website and pick up some of the past programs, but a good place to get the show is on SoundCloud. Uh, also, the uh, Holden Radio Network carries our program and uh, the PokerFuse podcast page. And, of course, you can just go to iTunes and search for Poker Action Line and download the show for free there. We'll be back with more of the show when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. From South Florida, and uh, just on the heels of the Tampa series finishing up. Of course, we won't have any uh, serious action here uh, on some kind of national level until April at the Seminole Hard Rock. We'll uh, 
get to that schedule in a little bit, but uh, World Series of uh, World Poker Tour, I should say, the showdown at the Seminole Hard Rock will be around in April, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, uh, people getting ready for the summer out there and heading out to Vegas for a long series that uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, we had a great series last year going down to the final. Uh, Hossein Ensan, the, the champion. Yeah, the final three was real interesting that how, was. Uh, how it played out this last year in the main event. And uh, we will also look at uh, the coverage by Poker Go and many of the tournaments this year. So I'm looking forward to exactly what kind of schedule they're going to uh, deal with. But certainly looking forward to all of that. Uh, one of the st- article that I was reading today, and uh, this is kind of basic, but you know, the, the average beginning player feels like they get pocket aces, there's no way they can lose. <laughs> we know very well that uh, aces get cracked very often. Uh, by the way, do you see in any of the rooms that used to be a promotion, aces cracked? And we don't really see that anymore. Why is that? Because, because depending on how, because right now, the people who would play that, for them to be cracked, were game, the people who are chasing the high hands. Yeah. You know, they're offering you $100. If your aces are cracked, well, guess what? They ain't going to raise in that 2-4 game. They want everybody to come in, check it down, and then have somebody beat them because they'll earn a lot more money with that bad beat cracked aces, and, and the rooms have just said the heck with this. This is not what the intention of this was. So. It really changes how you play the game. You know, It's uh, been a, a it, huge Only uh, in those low-limit games, Dave, because you know, if you're playing in a 2-5 no-limit game, you're going to lose a lot more, more than likely, than the $100 that you're going to get if they get cracked. Right. So, you know, the ace is cracked. Um, I remember there was an online site many, many years ago who decided to do something. You know, um, if you if you win with a deuce seven, so people started playing the deuce seven really strong to get people to fold. Like if they were playing pocket aces. And it cost that particular uh, poker site a lot of money in two weeks before they stopped the promotion, you know, because they were giving they were giving away a hundred dollars if you won with a do seven. So people started betting the do seven like if it was pocket aces and you know playing it extremely strong, and uh, it wound up costing them a lot of money. These gimmicks for me, Dave, for all the years I've been involved in this. These gimmicky type of plays rarely really help the room. It's just for the uh, here in South Florida, you know, that everybody's chasing that higher money of high, you know, high hands. They really don't even waste time with that anymore. It, it doesn't bring you any extra, you know, poker players to play that. What are your thoughts when you when you get pocket aces? Uh, let's start there. Um, you know, do you? Try to be careful and, uh, and not lose a hand. You, obviously, you want to try to maximize. You don't really want to. You want to slow play it. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now. It all depends on what table I'm on, on what yeah. type of stakes I'm on, the players on the table. Okay, if there are more than more than one maniac on the table, I'm going to try to trap one of them. I don't want to go up against both, even though I would still be a favorite. But then if two of them go in, you give price to other people who want to take the chase. And now all of a sudden your aces at best are 50-50 or, or, or even an underdog to win. 
So it all depends. Now, if I get a crazy guy who, who makes another raise and people fall because they don't have anything yet, I may just limp in just to make it look like I'm, you know, trying to catch him. Like, you know, oh, you're pissing me off because you're raising. And I'll try to trap that person. I've also played it that way when it's been, you know, uh, button against blinds. And I've been I've woke up with aces in, in either the small or the big blind. It, it all depends. Um, it, if I know the ta- that my raise isn't going to do a damn thing to to knock people out, if it's that crazy of a game, I really would prefer not to even have aces. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to limp in with it. Don't spike, no, no, don't spike an ace or three hearts, and I happen to have the ace of hearts. You know, you got to be smart enough to know that. You know, for me personally, I like to isolate one person, you know, and either either have them not believe that I've got aces because, you know, you've had people, oh, you're full of it, you know, you you know, you you only raise it, yeah, you're just trying to get me, and then you try to take it heads up, you know, because, you know, obviously you know that heads up, you're a huge favorite against any other two cards that they have, um, so that's my strategy if i'm there i really don't like to play multi-way hand multi-handed ways with pocket aces right. at most two people in the pot with me yeah uh but like i said if i see that it's coming other times i'll set you know other times i'll bet the hand out i will bet the hand out other times i'm trying to trap people if the flop comes unfavorable to me you know well the flop is important obviously uh, you get something there that you know that someone's set up for a straight or a flush, uh, you know, you got to be very careful. Yeah, Have right. you folded pocket aces many times? Many times, yes. many times. After the flop, obviously, I've never. I've the only that I folded pocket kings once prior to the flop uh, because I was caught in the middle, and I said one of these players has pocket queens, the other one has pocket aces, and that's exactly what the scenario was. And as life would have it, when all five cards came on, the, the, it was in a tournament. The queens was the pocket queens was all in. Pocket aces was the tournament chip leader at the time on my table. And when the hand was over, the ace, king, and queen had made the board. So all three of us would have hit a set, and I would have been eliminated also if I had decided to call with my kings. Right. I have laid down aces. I've made the mistake of not laying down because I got stupid and frustrated. And talked myself into making a, a very stupid call a few times. I would imagine a lot of novices, starting players, do that. You know, um, like I tell people, you know, if if you walk around the corner and see a hundred dollar bill on the on, on on the floor and you bend over and somebody just gives you a swing kick in the ass that leaves you limping for a week, after a while you stop you stop bending over to pick up that hundred dollar bill. Well, that's how it is with me with aces. If uh, like you said, flop comes, you know, uh, color coordinated, and you don't have one of those in your aces, and you know you get a six, seven, eight of hearts, and you don't have the ace of hearts. To me, it's an easy fold if if somebody comes out betting. I'm gonna check that board regardless. You know, there's all I can do is get into trouble, in my opinion, in that hand. Well, some scenarios that this guy talks about uh, can be very different. Uh, he says. Uh 
Pocket aces, if he had taken the last 100 times he had pocket aces, probably 60% of the time it did win the hand. But that's not the way you evaluate it. The way you evaluate is, is how much you can how win much you won. Yeah, as or lost. Exactly. That, that's, that's the scale. There's, there's the scale there. He talks about a certain scenario where uh, another player had uh, pocket aces a couple of times within a couple of hands. Uh, he talks about his hand. He, had, he was in late position with uh, queen jack. And the flop was uh, King Jack three, two hearts. And uh, he says the the player with the pocket aces bet he raised, uh, or the hero raised, and he said he just kind of wanted to test him out a little bit. There was a seven of hearts on the turn, and then a uh, the player with the aces checked. And he checked behind him, so he got the free card there on the river, the nine of diamonds. And uh, so they both they ended up both checking again. The river, right. So he said, well, he, he simply put on the handbrake there too early. Uh, slowed down. Maybe he was worried about some kind of, uh, you know, straight coming out. Uh, but he said he won four small well, bets. You can't be afraid of the straight coming out for your opponent. You've got to bet it out. Right. That turn, the turn put up, uh, you know, three hearts, if I remember the recall correctly. And, you know, now now you don't know where this one put him, so he didn't come out betting it. So he got, you know, the information to me was if that guy had three, you know, had the flush, he probably would have taken a stab at it. But, again, without sitting down and playing against the players at that table, you know, poker, I love when you analyze certain things, but... Things can change 180 degrees real quickly based on the opponent that you're right. playing yeah. and, and knowing his you know his style of play. Uh, he talks about a hand, uh, the second hand, uh, where this player had pocket aces. Who ra- he raised pre-flop. Three players called. Yeah. And the f- like you said, uh, you don't want to go into a hand with multi-players. Uh, and the flop came ten of diamonds, nine of diamonds, eight of hearts. It's almost the same scenario that I just told yeah, you with the six, so seven, eight. So, so very, you've got very a coordinated board with two, two to a flush. You know, three players. You got to figure one of them has got a big piece of this board, has open ended, maybe has may may have the straight, open ended straight with the flush draw. You know, it's it's that's a horrendous flop for for your pocket aces. Right. He said. Uh, he said after the uh, flop came and after the first bet, the pot was raised and then re-raised. So Bye. he says he per- <laughs> he proceeded to uh, check and call them the whole way, even after the turn was a queen of diamonds. Oh, that. And, and he went all the way to the river calling? Yeah. And uh, so he ended up losing. Uh, this, this writer says, by the action on the flop and turn, it's obvious that a pair of aces had almost no chance of winning. So he says uh, in the hand against... Me, this player won four small bets, but when he had the aces against three opponents on a dangerous board, he lost five small bets and two large bets. So if you compare that, you know, it's just the profitability it's just, is you gone. You know what it is, Dave? It's the, the, the mental aspect of having to, you don't get aces all the time, and then you got to sit there, and like I said, most players are going to try to talk themselves into a call. If 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 you know if the board comes up similar to that and somebody has raised, they just don't want to believe they're going to lose with those pocket aces. And if you're smart, 
Even if even if you're not losing at that moment, you've got a better raise and a call from the three people before it gets to you. You might be winning with your aces, but you're you might be a huge underdog to lose that hand because you still got the turn in the river to come up. Right. And you've got nothing there, so it's time to throw those things in the muck. Well, he said, here's a technique you can use. He said, first of all, you need to define your hand early. He said, uh, do it when it's cheap to do so. And he said, here's, he brings up another uh, hand that he played against a fairly tight player who knew what he was doing. And he said, uh, before the flop, this player uh, raised from middle eight position after everyone had folded. And I put him on a steal with a mediocre hand like ace-nine or maybe king-jack. He said, a loose player between is called, and then I re-raised on the button with aces, and both players called. The flop was uh, queen-ten-two, rainbow. Uh, The other player checked. The loose player bet, and I raised. And then X came back over the top of me and re-raised. So on the so turn, the tight player this is the came, tight player. Tight yeah. player check raise. Yeah. He said, on the turn, a seven fell. X came out betting. The loose player called, and I folded. Folded his aces. He said, why did I fold? Uh, he said, I knew the player well, and I knew he would definitely put me on either kings or aces on the flop. So why did he call the, 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 the flop bet? That's, that's the answer yeah. I want to get from him. Yeah, if doesn't. you think you're that dominated... Why are you calling? I don't think he realized. You had a bet. You raised an ex who you could, who by your own words you say is a solid player, and would put him on aces or kings. Re-raised on a check raise out of you know at first to act coming out. Well, he says by by raising the flop and defining my hand in these early betting rounds, I forced him out of his shell. And then uh, when he bet on the uh, after the turn. He said that's when he knew that it was time to give it up. Yeah, either he hit two pairs, a set. He might have had. He might have raised with the pocket deuces and, and the deuce, or you know, hit him uh, for a set. So that's also one of the most dangerous ones when you've got an ugly board like a deuce seven nine offsuit, and you've got pocket aces or pocket kings. To me, in this scenario, they're the same, and. Somebody calls you your your pre-flop raise, Dave, and then they come out strong. They check raise you right on the flop. Right. You know, unless it's a complete maniac, most of the times these people are sitting there. I think he's still gathering information there, so he does make the call. But he says uh, when he bet into me on the turn out of position, I was he was clearly unconcerned if I raised him. So even. Uh, if he had kings in that hand, he would have played it differently, so I was sure that my aces were beat. He said, uh, this is a good habit to get into, uh, knowing all the necessary information needed on the flop while the bets are still fairly small. Right. I mean, listen, again, fairly small. Uh, we don't know what the size of the bet and the raise was on True. his part and the re-raise by, by the solid player. But, um, you know... Uh, depending on how much, you know, what percentage of your stack is going to go away for you to chase one more card and then all of a sudden decide, hey, you know, uh, what I don't understand, you know, like in this particular uh, example, Dave, again, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to gather information for future betting rounds or for future, um, you know, hands as as he plays out, if he's setting something up with this player. But... uh, by his own admission, solid player does a move like that. 
nine out of ten times they're sitting with they're sitting with the goods right now and making you pay the price to chase to catch your set. So, um, I, myself, I probably would have saved money there. Been pissed off that I raised and got trapped in there, but I would have I would have probably released those hands. Now that's me now after so many years of of not releasing that hand. So. Uh, just take note for people who are novices out there listening to us. He says, uh, you know, players you have to identify, obviously, these players while you're playing several hands, whether they're rocks or timid. And he said uh, both those types of players uh, refuse to commit a lot of money unless they can beat extremely strong hands. So you keep that in mind. Like I said, I love playing against, you know, the good rock players because... They just don't have enough variance in their game. They they don't have enough play in their game for for it to affect someone like me, you know. And they're only going to get these, you know, the the, the maniacs that are on the tables that just want to crack them. You know, they just want to pull that one or two out around the river just to piss them off and to, you know, hold it in their face and say, "See how I caught you?" You know, you playing the so- the rocks. Right, right. And you know, solid players. We'll get upset about that because I've seen it in my room. But in the long haul, I tell them that's what, exactly what you want them to do. Let them catch it every now and then. It keeps them, it keeps them coming back to the game and donating to, 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 to the cause. He talks about uh, playing against those types of players. The first, a bad play and a good play. Uh, the first one, he got called by a rock, and the flop was king 7-3. And he was just hoping that the player had ace-king. But uh, after several raises on the flop, he said, that got me to scratching my head. Uh, on a turn, I decided to bet into him again. Again, he raised. I called that raise and call, also called a bet on the river, and it turned out the player had pocket sevens. Like so, I said, when so you see a flop like that, and they're betting because they're putting you on a big pair. So if you didn't re-raise them, they know you didn't have pocket kings. Okay. Or you didn't re-raise him on on the turn when he came out and bet and he got raised. That's the point, moment where if you've got a set over set dominated, that person's rarely, the lower set is rarely ever going to release that hand. Right. So by the time he, when this guy came back, he knew he was he didn't want to see an ace or a queen, let's say, uh, and that more than likely an ace because if I had pocket queens, I wouldn't even have been in there with the king already on the board. Uh, the other play that he says, he said that was his bad play. His good play was uh, in a player that was he knew was relatively new to the game. Uh, he said this player always saw a flop. He virtually never called a bet on the flop unless his hand was massive. So he said that's the best kind yeah. of player to play against. Of course. He said he, in, this, in this particular hand when he had pocket aces, he said he did call my raise in a late position. The flop came 9-5-4. I bet the player next to me raised, and then this timid player re-raised both of us. Yeah, right there you know he hit a monster somewhere. Pocket nines, five. My guess would be four or fives. He probably hit a set. And he said, my mate, my aces flew into the muck faster than go. bullets. There you go. It's wonderful when you have somebody. Like I said, the toughest part of that, uh, Dave, is the mental aspect of saying, damn, I haven't had aces. In, and sometimes it feels like weeks of playing. And then you get aces, and you can't do a damn thing about it because you know, and you just don't want to believe that you're going to lose with aces. Yeah. And to me, that was one of the biggest, you know, uh, problems that I had when I was learning the game. I just 
Like I like I said before, I just kept talking myself into making calls. Yeah. And and in a few tournaments, you know, talked myself into right out of the damn tournament by calling my stack off completely on a hand that I just didn't want to believe the player had a better hand than me. And sure enough, they did. Yeah. So it's it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, it's a tough game. Uh, I but think that's what separates the champions, though, Dave. Yeah, and I think the the weak players and strong players. I think you know if you know enough about the game to be able to you know not hang on to that uh, those great hands, you got to know well, that there's a time when you got to give those up. That's when you start making the turn as a player. Yeah. You know when when you start being able to read your opponents. And no matter how painful it is, because you had, you know, two beautiful cards in your hand, the better you are reading those opponents. Uh, yeah, we see some big hands with aces, but if you sat down with a lot of people, I bet you a lot of them rarely win a whole lot of money with aces. Yeah. You know, you you're gonna win a lot more money when you're speculating with a nine ten suited, a smaller pocket pair that you're hoping to hit the flop. It's either flop or drop. You know. And when you nail those, you know, you get the people who can't release those aces. Right. You know, uh, I had a scenario at at, at, uh, at my place, you know, many years ago. And it was a very big game. One guy who was just like this guy, but he was a good player. But when he re-raised, you knew he had pocket aces or kings. And uh, a gentleman, <laughs> a gentleman that I know really well, decided to. He goes, "Hey, I decided to take him off and see if I could catch." He had pocket sevens. Well, he got. When I'm telling you the dream flop, this was a dream flop. They each had about five, six thousand in front of them. The flop came ace. The guy had pocket aces, seven, seven. Yeah. So you know. He knew he would get this guy's money all in. He was just praying the case ace wouldn't come on the turn of the river. And they, sure enough, they got it all in. They got it all in on the flop, you know, because uh, the aces thought for sure, you know, this guy has a seven in his hand. Never put him on pocket sevens. And it ran out, you know, the board ran out dead. And, uh, and my friend with the pocket sevens just doubled up from five to six thousand to ten, twelve thousand dollars wow. in that one hand. But again, how often does that happen? So I mean, that's obviously a very rare, rare. Hit. It is. It's, it's very rare that you see something like that. Uh, the craziest thing, I don't know about you playing, Dave, but I know one of the craziest things, how you said it uh, earlier, one of the tournaments that players got aces back-to-back. -back. Well, I was playing in Atlantic City, and I got ace-king dealt to me three times in a row. And on those three hands... Well, excuse me, I got dealt them four times in a row, but on the first three, I hit kings full of aces, second hand I hit aces full of kings, and on the third one I hit kings full of aces. And then and then I got ace-king again, came up with an ace, but someone else, I had to fold that hand because it came up with a, like four, three spades, the fourth spade hit, and I, and I didn't have the, the king of spades, and, and I showed everybody, I said, here, so you guys could see it, I got dealt that hand. But what are the chances that I was going to hit aces full or kings full all three hands in a row? So basically, you really built up your stack, and you could have gave it all back if you hadn't folded. Then, yeah, well, well, yeah, that last one. Well, it was to me, it was an easy fold. Yeah. I did spike the ace, came with three spades. Um, they checked to me. I let out, and I had three callers. 
no one wanted to raise me. If someone had raised me right there, I probably would have let that hand go because I right. didn't have the king of spades. And obviously the ace of spades was already on the board. When the fourth spade hit, you know, they checked to me. I wasn't going to throw any more money into that pot. And there was, in my case, I didn't think there was a card that could even help me. I figured one of them had to have a spade in their hands. And right. sure enough, they did. Yeah. So you learn. But I have seen people get real stupid with a scenario just like I've read to you. Not, let's just not say ace-king because that's a, a lot easier, but pocket aces or a pocket pair that hits, and there's four to a flush there. You know, I've seen them push the people who have the nut flush all in. Yes, they do have probably ten outs on the river, you know, pairing the board and catching their, their case card for quads, but guess what? There's no reason for you to do that if, if there's four spades and, you know, you have a set and you've got one or two opponents, chances are that one of them probably has the spades. And if they're calling you all in, you know they probably have the nut spade. So the nut flush and, again, it, it's frustration. People hit hit that set, can't believe the, the, the fourth uh, spade or whatever suit comes up on the board and... It took me a long time to take advantage of those people, and it took a long time for me not to be the one <laughs> paying off those people. But, uh, yeah, you, you need definitely need to learn how to play that those hands. Okay, well, let's take another break in the show. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little about the Global Poker Awards. We're getting close to that and uh, who's nominated for some of those things. We'll mention some of that when we return. Listening to Poker Action Line, we'll be back after more of the show after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year.
Welcome back to the show. Final segment. Uh, before we move on, uh, you mentioned uh, you had some uh, a couple of stories about yeah. players having pocket aces and how they exactly. react. Exactly. I, I, you know what? I'm going to just relay one that I had that pissed the guy off. I was in the big blind, and I had a hand. I don't remember if it was 8, 9, or, or 9, 10. And somebody took a min raise. And all of a sudden... Call, call, call. I decide to, you know, I got well, got half of the money already in there in the big blind. Let me. It, it, this guy was to act after me, so I knew no one else would re-raise it. So it was an easy call for me. I, you know, I was getting the price to call, and sure enough, the flop came very favorable for me. It it was an open-ended, and somebody bet the the guy who eventually had aces decided to smooth call. Other people folded, so I go, eh, what the hell? I go, I go, I'm going to make the call here. I'm open-ended, and sure enough, I hit my straight on the turn. I check, and actually, there was a player between me and the raiser, but I knew this guy wasn't going to raise pre-flop. That guy comes out betting the aces now, decides to take a race, and I'm sitting with the nuts right now, <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a board that's, uh, you know, uh, complete all four different suits, so I'm not worried about a flush getting there. And sure enough, I re-raise. The original better decides to get the hell out of the hand. The aces goes all in, and I, you know, I snap call him. He turns over aces. He's got no. There isn't a card on the board. There's nothing he can get him. on the board. And then he gets really pissed off, and he goes, "How the hell can you call this and this and the other?" And I go. First of all, you t- I, 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 dis- I was going to act like I'm an idiot. I, normally, I just tell people like that, look, I'm an idiot poker player. Sorry, I got lucky on you. But I decided to tell this guy, too, because I figured this would piss him off even more, you know. And I said, well, let me see. You did a min raise with four people calling behind me. I go, I mean, in, in front of me. I've got the big blind, so it's, you know, I got, I'm half of the bet in there. And then you decide to check the flop when I hit my hand. So I... Tell me what part of that did you get upset with me about there that I made a mistake calling, and you know everybody at the you know a few people at the table started laughing, so he he just shut up, steamed for about half an hour before he finally just got up and left the table. Yeah, and I just love to hear the stories because, listen, I had one person once cry so much about that, and I finally got I said listen I, I said watch. Let me ask everybody at this table. I go, everybody at this table, because he was crying so much that he lost with his pocket aces. I said, everybody at this table, raise your hands if you've lost with pocket aces. And everybody starts laughing. They all raise their hands. I go, now put them down. I go, now, everybody at this table, please raise your hand if you've ever lost with pocket aces. And everybody rose their hands. And I go, "Uh, I hope you understood this. I go, see, this is part of poker. No matter how well you play them or how bad, you're going to win with them and you're going to crack aces sooner or later. That's just, if you play enough poker, you're going to do that. You're going to be on both ends of that fence multiple times. And as you mentioned earlier in the segment, Dave, in our show, that the big difference, as he, this gentleman wrote, is how you maximize your winnings when you do win and minimize your losses when you lose. Right, yeah, no question about it. Uh, Global Poker Awards, did want to mention this. Uh, we still have a couple of shows, so we'll talk some more about it before that happens. Uh, March the 6th 
in uh, at the Poker Go Studios out in Las Vegas, and will be carried on Poker Go. So uh, maybe the star of the show this year could be Joey Ingram, another podcaster who uh, does the show, I believe, out of Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he has four nominations this year. A lot of it because he, this Mike Postel uh, show, he did a lot of uh, investigating and looked at uh, hundreds of hands to see if uh, you know he could justify the fact that he was cheating, which of course he did. But uh, that was one of his big things, and uh, he also is involved uh, as personality of the year, uh, live media content, and uh, journalist of the year. So he's a guy that's uh, well-rounded in the business and. Uh, Probably will be uh, the star of the show there, but I did want to talk about some of the nominees. Uh, our well, friend, we, we already know our good friend Tony Burns is up again, and, and he wants to win it for his kids. Yeah, Tony's up for uh, Tournament Director of the Year uh, against Paul Campbell, who won last year from the Aria, Jack Effel from the World Series of Poker, and Matt Savage, his good friend, who's with the WPT. Uh, Industry Person of the Year, uh, Matt Savage, Paul Fulfua, uh, from Triton Poker, Kerry Katz, who's involved with Poker Central and is a high-limit player, and Phil Galfond, who incidentally has had to put his uh, big challenge, Galfond Challenge, on hold because he's down a million bucks. <laughs> so he was going to play against a couple of players, but he's put that on hold now for a little while. Uh, but he is up for Industry Person of the Year. Uh, the event of the year is uh, Poker Stars Players Championship from the Bahamas, which was the you know the uh, $30,000 packages that all the players yeah, they got gave out to all the players this year yeah. will be played in Barcelona. The Triton London uh, Million for Charity event, the Big 50 at the World Series of Poker, and the main event of the World Series of Poker. Uh, Mid-major tour or circuit of the year, the Road to PSPC, uh, the Run Good Poker Series Deep Stacks, WPT Deep Stacks, and the SOP Circuit up for all those awards. Uh, Journalist of the year. Lance Bradley, Haley Hintz, Joey Ingram, and Nick Jones from the U.K. Uh, broadcaster of the Year, and this is some you don't watch it as much as I do, but uh, these are all deserving the nominees. Jamie Kerstetter, Jeff Platt, who does uh, the kind of the sideline interviews at the World Series, Nick Schulman, and Joe Stapleton. So two very different styles there, but uh, very interesting guys there. Uh, the articles that are up for Media Content of the Year. Uh, Lance Bradley uh, from Pocket Fives, A Fight for Fatherhood, the biggest win of Jason Young's life. Uh, the great story done by uh, uh, Ali Ahjadavi and Haley Hostekler on Kevin Roster uh, about his sarcoma battle for awareness at the World Series of Poker. Uh, D&B Publishing's Martin Harris on Poker and Pop Culture, which is a book he published this year. And the unabridged story of the Hennon Mob by Paul Seaton for Poker News. Uh, not to run down every single story, but uh, did want to mention uh, the vloggers of the year, Jamon Burton, Andrew Nimi, who we've had on the show, and Daniel Negreanu and Brad Owen. And the player's choice for toughest opponent, all European or Australian players, Michael Adamo, Cale Burns, Stephen Chidwick, and Ali Imsarovic. As the toughest player? As the toughest opponent for these players. So they had a lot of nominees there that uh, they narrowed it down to those four. Well, that's quite an honor then to, yeah. uh, to, be, no to, to be nominated and, you know, whoever wins it, that's... 
that's that's good and bad. Uh, the you, Twitter personality. You don't want to. You don't want to have your name out there as one of the toughest opponents to these people who are just learning large stake poker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Twitter personality here: Barney Boatman, Jamie Kerstetter, Kitty Quo, and Kevin Mathers. Kev Math. And the final performance, final table performance of the year. And this is one I think most people will, will realize: Hossein Ensan at the main event of the World Series of Poker. Uh, Alex Foxen. Five Diamond World Poker Classic. Phil Wee at the WSOP Poker Players Championship. Of course, Phil from down here in South Florida. And Bryn Kenny, the Triton Poker Super High Roller Series in Montenegro. So uh, those are some of the things. There's a few others. We'll talk some more about uh, you know our favorites and stuff coming up. Um, a couple years ago, they switched from the American Poker Awards to the Global Poker Awards. And I think... You know, I'm not I'm not so sure that uh, a lot of the American fans can, are as close with some of these uh, players. There's a lot of players that they haven't heard of because some people don't follow the international scene. Yeah, I mean, much. you know, <laughs> again, th- didn't the WSOP go to alternating years for Europe, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. WSOP? So, I mean, Granted, unbelievable players. We've seen how successful they've been down here. You know, when our when our uh, WSOP starts down here, great players. Um, you know, so again, they may not know them much, like myself here, being ignorant on some of the, on some of these great players. I'm sure, but um, you know, poker is a global global game right now, and. Uh, you gotta honor. You gotta honor the best of the best, uh, no matter where they're from. Yeah, no question. Anyway, that's all coming up on March sixth. We'll keep an eye on it uh, and cheer for Tony. Uh, Tony, not even the. I really want Tony anymore. to win, especially when he mentioned about his kids. Like, you know, Daddy, are you coming home with the trophy this year? That's, <laughs> that's. I know how that feels. Well, Seminole Hard Rock has won, uh, you know, award award in the past, and they brought the trophy back. I remember we could have a shot of Tony with that, but. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens on that. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, world world stuff always affects poker. We have talked in the past about some of the security when we've seen some of these shootings at different things. The one in Jacksonville, I don't know if you remember that. Yes. The video game the video, conference. Right. Uh, one of the things now is uh, obviously the uh, coronavirus outbreak and how that may affect Vegas next year. Obviously, Vegas draws a lot of, and it's not just Orientals. I don't want to, to bring it down to that, but uh, the the Asian uh, tourism is very prevalent there in, in Las Vegas. We know that, and out in California, obviously as well. Yes. But uh, they do need to keep an eye on the situation, and they are uh, looking at very uh, closely that. Uh, you know, there was a, a forum actually on 2 Plus 2 that said, will the coronavirus cause the postponement of the World Series of Poker? So n- nothing like that is happening now. But things could change a lot between in the next month or two. You know, listen, I'm, we, we're hearing these staggering numbers that are coming out, you know, about the deaths over there. Uh, the, the World Health Organization has to try to get a handle on this. Um, I believe that we're still going to... You know, have to wait and see. You know, uh, pay. You know, uh, people on the, on one of those cruise ships that were being quarantined. You know, um, we're we're far out enough. You know that uh, they can they. You know, if the, the 
World Health Organization and everybody over there gets a handle on it and, and somehow is able to contain it and everything else, I think the effect will be minimal. Yeah. But but again, if this you know goes crazy, then yeah, that's that they may they may not allow them to come into this country. Obviously, which would then make a big effect on that you know on on the WSOP. But at that point, I'd be more concerned about about the the, the world's health and, and everybody else than than the poker tournament. So you know, I uh, I saw a tweet the other day that said uh, uh, currently there. Ten percent of the world's population is now in quarantine. There are so many people being millions in over there being well, being Well, listen, if if you're a history buff, you'll know that uh, you know over over time, you know, different plagues and different things have hit have hit this 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 planet of ours that has you know wiped out up to twenty five thirty percent of the population. So you know. We're hoping that's not the case here, Dave. Let's let's pray and hope that that's not the case. Uh, you know, some people will immediately uh, be worried about changing their plans, and there's pe- people that have said they have gotten scared and have been confirmed that they will not be attending this year. But uh, the official word out of Vegas is um, from Seth Polanski, the vice president of communications. He says, we will continue to lean on the experts in this field for guidance. At this time, all our events and schedules remain intact and our plan to go on without interruption. Well, like I said, let's let's pray everything goes really well there. By then, we've got many many months to go before uh, you know before this get kicks off, and I'm sure I'm sure all our health officials will do what's necessary to try to keep the Absolutely. the population safe. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to point it out because you know things can happen, and uh, a lot of s- when you plan any type of major event. Uh, you need to keep an eye on some of these things well, and stay on top of it. Uh, remember what they always say at the at the end of these tournaments: uh, could no re what is it not not to say no refunds, but uh, what is it? Uh, it could be canceled because of an act of God. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, the schedule is out with the online events being announced in the last couple of days. So uh, we will go ahead and keep our eye on it and cover it as well when it uh, rolls around at the end of May. That's going to do it for our show tonight. Joe, thank you for stepping in on the controls. Uh, Joe, Rod, uh, thank you as well for uh, your contributions tonight, which were extensive and heavy and solid. There you go. And we'll be back next week with another edition of this show. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. We'll be back with you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 